This is We Make People. I'm Robin Phillip. In this episode, I continue with a look at depression and women. If you've not had a chance to listen to episode number four, She Has Depression, I recommend skipping back and starting there first. There's a fair amount of information and relevant statistics that justify why I'm spending multiple episodes on the mental illness of depression as it affects women in particular. Women have a very special kind of depression all for themselves. Postpartum depression. You feel like you're the only person that's awake in the night and that you're never going to get out of it when I was never around sleep. my kids. And like I would hear them laughing with their dad from the bedroom knowing and like my skin would crawl daughters. because I just was such in such a dark spot. I'm not talking the baby blues, which refers usually to the first few days after giving birth. It doesn't usually require treatment and lifts within a few hours or days. According to the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, postpartum depression symptoms are not unlike regular depression symptoms, but can be made worse with the guilt of not being able to bond with your baby and struggling to care for your baby. Signs of depression are often missed in new mothers because there's significant changes, changes in sleeping patterns, interests, cognitions, energy levels, moods, even body weight, and those are all normal part of new motherhood. New mothers often resist acknowledging these signs, even to themselves, because there's pressure to meet societal expectations of what it means to be a quote-unquote good mother. And that includes how you should be feeling, how you should be thinking, and behaving. Reoccurring thoughts of death or suicide are a big one here, where mothers may catch themselves thinking that they and their baby are better off dead, or that the world is such an awful place the baby may be better off not being a part of it. Postpartum depression does not just go away. It's all-consuming anxiety, hyperdiligence, inability to relax and calm yourself, and an overwhelming feeling that you are inadequate as a parent. For a woman with a newborn, it can be overwhelming the onslaught of things that have to be dealt with and managed. Lack of sleep is huge, it's toxic, it's torturous, and for some women with little ones that don't sleep, it can be months, if not years, before the baby sleeps through the night. It's safe to say you're not able to think clearly when you're sleep-deprived, and this can trigger all kinds of doubt and desperation. If you're trying to breastfeed, no one can relieve you of this task, unless you pump, but that's assuming you have enough milk to do that. How do you know how much they're getting? Are they latching? Do you have blocked milk ducts? Is the baby gaining weight? Why is the baby crying? Let's just say you're lucky to have avoided a C-section. Well, you're probably still bleeding and recovering from either an episiotomy or a tear. Your hips and your back, they're probably shot or at least sore. Hormones alone spike and then drop and so many changes your body goes through to produce milk and reset itself to heal. None of which you have any control over. Sometimes all you want to do is lie down and sleep. And with all of this, you might have other kids to care for. You might not have family supports. You might not have a partner to share the burden. Or perhaps this pregnancy is unexpected. What do you tell people? How will you cope on your own? How will your child fare missing a parent? Or the worst case scenario there is, what if you lose the baby? What if you have to deliver and name and bury your still child. 
Having children is the pinnacle of life, the pinnacle of emotion, the pinnacle of physical change, the pinnacle of love and fear and doubt and absolute powerlessness. But even if all of these things are not issues and you have the birth you wanted in your home, you have the third of three healthy children, your partner is loving and supportive, you have parents and family super close by to help. Even if it's all perfection on paper, you can still suffer postpartum depression. You can still struggle to connect with your kids, with your partner. You can still shake with anxiety and fear and doubt and desperation at night when no one in the world is awake but a crying baby and you. This is how Jess felt. So my name is Jessica. I am a mother of three. I chose to stay home with my three children for over five years. Love being a mom. I thought that was going to be all I wanted to do for the first so many years. I thought that if I stayed home and I was going to homeschool and I was going to do all of those things until my third came along and I had had enough. Jessica is disarming. She's warm and she speaks with passion and honesty when it comes to being a mom and what that means to her. She's attentive and empathetic, having spent her young adult life working with people as a developmental services worker, and now in her local school system where she spends her days redirecting, diffusing, and helping work with little ones who are challenged by physical and mental disadvantages. She knows how mental health struggles affect people, even kids, but it took a pretty profound moment in the car with her own kids before she was able to identify that she herself was suffering. Jessica shared so much of her experiences with postpartum depression in this interview, so just as I did with Natalie, I will not be mentioning her last name out of respect for her privacy. Emotionally, I knew that I wasn't doing well. It kind of hit when the baby was about three months old. Fall was just starting. Um, The weather's changing, and you could see that it was getting darker out. And nighttime when you have a new baby is never a fun thing if you have a new baby that doesn't sleep. You feel like you're the only person that's awake in the night and that you're never going to get out of it and they're never going to sleep and things are never going to get better. And then knowing that I had two other small children to wake up to in the morning that were going to be demanding of me constantly and fighting and all the other things that go along with that. Um, I just really struggled with the day-to-day grind of being home and breastfeeding and diaper changes and dealing with children and life in general and running a house and being a wife and a friend and everything. And with my other children at that point of their lives, I felt it, but I could get over it. The morning would come, the light would shine, everything would be okay, we'd get on with the day. But by about the three-month point with my final child, the light never came. I didn't wake up and brush my teeth and have a shower and suddenly feel better and take on the day. I would take every opportunity I had to go and hide in my bedroom and force my husband to take over because I just couldn't stand the sound of my kids. There was no escape, no relief at night, even when her partner was able to help. And in the morning, the sun didn't shine. Her mind fell darker and deeper. This is not something she experienced with the first two. So what was this? Okay, I feel like I need to give a bit of a warning at this point. This next part, well, it's it's tough to hear. And I imagine it was even harder for Jessica to share. I was driving down the road, all three kids in the car with me. 
another usual day, didn't sleep well at night, the kids are being kids, loud, probably fighting and pinching each other in the back of my van. And I had a thought that I could just drive off the road right now and it would all be done. And it wasn't just a passing thought. It wasn't just a, oh my God, I'm so frustrated. I just want to give up. It was a real genuine, I could turn the wheel and hit something and we would just, the light would go out. If you find yourself in a place where you feel unsafe, like you might harm yourself or others, please seek immediate medical attention. When I got home and I thought about it more and I was had time to really focus on it and I thought back to how I'd been feeling over the last several weeks, it probably was, I'd say at least a month of me having those not such severe thoughts, but the the darkness not not breaking. And then um, I just started talking to my husband and my mom and tried speaking to some friends and wasn't getting what I was hoping to get from them. And even over the time leading up to that moment, I had tried to reach out to people, you know, people that I spoke to on a regular basis that I would talk to about anything. We were very open with each other and very, very close friends. And if I was to send a text message saying, I'm struggling, I'm having a really hard time, and I can't seem to get through this, it would just go ignored. Um, Conversation would end. There wouldn't be any, you know, anything in return from that person. And that also weighed on me really, really heavy because I felt like maybe I shouldn't be feeling like this. Am I over-exaggerating? Am I being ridiculous? I have, you know, I felt really alone and that made it worse, knowing that I didn't have anybody that could just be there for me and be on my side and go, okay, yeah, I know that's that's challenging. I didn't want anybody to try and fix what was happening, but just let me know that it's okay and I'm here. That's all I needed from somebody at that point and wasn't getting that from friends. Um, what about family? Family was good. Just, you know, parents don't have any experience with mental health. Personally, they have family overseas that struggle, but they didn't ever have their own personal lives. They've never actively looked for support for any mental health issues, you know, whether or not there were any, they've just have never gone down that road. So they just didn't understand. My mom's wonderful and she's very, very helpful, but that's also an area where she can't give me what I needed at that point. I just don't think anybody really knew. And luckily, I come from a background where I did study mental health in school. And I have dealt with people that I worked for that have struggled with things like that. So I just got to the point where I recognized, and I think I'm pretty self-aware that I knew this isn't okay. I need to go see my doctor. I'm not going to get through this on my own. This has been going on for far too long. I have to get help. And I booked my appointment and I went to the doctor and the nurse who knows me very, very well and thinks compliments me and says, you're a great mom. Your kids are so wonderful. They're so well behaved. You're doing a great job. And I walked in and she said, how are you? And I said, I'm awful. And she just couldn't believe it. And she even tried to brush it off. And she said to me, oh, it's okay. You're just tired. And, you know, gave me all the excuses that everybody gives to a new mom who's struggling. Yeah. Like, how can you be sad? Right. Your, your baby is beautiful. Uh, yeah. How can you, you have be... these three great children. Yeah. And I, even that, at that moment, I could have said, yeah, maybe you're right. But I didn't because I knew it wasn't right. I was shaking. Like, I was physically, I would feel myself vibrating when I was around my kids. Like, I would hear them laughing with their dad from the bedroom and, like, my skin would crawl because I just 
was such in such a dark spot so that was was that a was that an anxiety was it a i say anxiety for sure yeah the anxiety of knowing i think it was more anxiety because i knew that i couldn't do that i couldn't have fun with them like i couldn't be around it i couldn't enjoy them i couldn't be i just i was always thinking about the negative i was just in this loop of negativity and you know what bad is going to happen you know we our son has a lot of struggles with impulse control and um you know huge lack of empathy it's been a very learned behavior for him and being the oldest of three that are super close in age that's always been a huge struggle too and so in social situations i always had a lot of concern with what's he going to do who's he going to hurt are people going to think i'm a bad mom and all you know mom guilt oh yeah, yeah. constantly like we all do but it, then once i started going down this path of what I learned was postpartum depression that just was so heavy that even taking them out of the house was too much. Like I didn't want to go to the park with them. I didn't want to take them out anywhere because I couldn't handle the fear of something going wrong and having a mom give you that look that you get sometimes because they just aren't empathetic and like we all should be, we should all be supporting each other, but that's another story. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, mom's got to support each other. Then that's a, a huge thing, a huge reason for doing this, this having this conversation. Uh, absolutely. You are not the only one that is going through this and absolutely not, not, not to diminish your experience no. in any way, but I guarantee there's somebody out there that's listening to this and being like, oh crap, that's, that sounds like me. Yeah. And so like, so what did your doctor say when you I enjoy our doctor because he is straight to the point. There's no, you know, there's no candy coating it. He said, yes, you are going through a hard time. Postpartum depression is real. Your feelings are real. He validated everything that I was saying. That's excellent. And he gave me a medication that he thought was going to be the least likely to give me um, side effects. I take something called Cymbalta, um, very common, um, don't go down the Google rabbit hole searching things because there's always negative things that can come up. But the most important thing that I think I would like people to know when they start medication is you have to give it time. And you also have to know that if it's not working, don't give up, go back, try something different and give that time. Like it can take people multiple medications before they figure out what works for them. I was very fortunate that this medication has worked for me and is continuing to work for me over two years later. So getting to that point of realizing that I needed medication. If I didn't have a wonderful husband who would gladly tag out and let me have that moment, which turned into tagging out all the time, you know, I got to the point where I just wasn't present. If I didn't have him, I don't know what would have happened. And my mom being close and my dad and, you know, even my in-laws, like my mother-in-law is supportive as well. I look back at that always and think about someone that, maybe has a husband that won't even change a diaper, um, will sit with them on the couch and watch TV, but would never take them out or do the bedtime routine if you just couldn't do it that night or you were too tired or wake up in the night with your kid yep. because you've done it already six times. Where I would have ended up, you know, knowing that I was so dark and things were so hard, it just makes me so sad for other women that, I know go through those things yep. too and don't have either a friend or a partner or a family member or yep. anybody that they can um, trade off with. And I just think I can't fathom how hard that would be. And I hope that they know that there are people out there that will support you. And I just wish that they know that and that in the darkest moments that they can reach out to, whether it's a 1-800 number for support 
or they go and they Google their local mental health association. Don't wait that your health is the most important, especially if you're on your own and you're raising children, because I know how close it can come where if your kids are screaming and fighting and it's not stopping and then somebody throws up and then somebody breaks something and you haven't slept in four days and your house is a huge mess and then somebody comes over or you get a judgmental comment about your kid's behavior, you know, it's easy to just think, I want it to all go away and to know that you don't have to be like that. There are supports out there. And I was just very fortunate that I have the people around me that love me and love my kids enough that I didn't get that far. But I can definitely see how easily you could slip into that and something really seriously bad could happen to you. And that scares me a lot for other women. Jessica did the right thing and went to see her doctor. If you don't have a doctor, then please be sure to seek out mental health supports in your community. The Canadian Mental Health Association has locations all over Canada. Or you can pick up the phone and reach out. If you're in Ontario, you can get 24-7 support from Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600. Talk a little bit about um, the medication side of things. Yes. So dosage wise it seemed like right away you were okay yes i was given the lowest dose of the medication i'm on duloxetine is the um, generic name for it um i i don't know if it was psychosomatic or if i was just fortunate enough that it hit my system and it worked almost immediately i know some of the medications this one might be one that does take effect quickly i know from what i learned in school that Sometimes it can take a solid six weeks before your body can have that, can have the effect that it needs to on your brain. Yep. And to recognize that and, and give you can't, it time. You cannot cold turkey that. No. And Absolutely I know not. I have, I have a family member who did that. <laughs> um, they thought, I'm fine. I don't need to take it anymore. And they cold turkeyed it. And they were getting zap, brain zaps um, where it felt like a shock on their brain and just severe, severe anxiety. You know, you can even tell myself when I haven't taken it or if I've missed somehow because we've been busy and I thought I took it but I didn't that you can see I'll look back in a couple of days and go oh maybe that's why I felt you know a little bit off or had a headache or you know things like that can happen so that is an important part that you do not just stop taking it all right I'm going to take a minute with this one if you don't know what Jess means when she says brain zaps or brain shivers or brain shocks They are a very real and scary side effect and withdrawal symptom from antidepressants. I am very much aware that this is now the second interview I've done with women who have had tremendous success with going the route of medication and treating their depression. But I believe it would be irresponsible to talk about antidepressants without at least mentioning that there can be negatives. As always, if you have questions about what treatments are right for you, please speak to your doctor. I do feel like I should go in and readdress and see, you know, if this is still the right one. Yep. If um, even looking into long-term effects of being on the same medication for, you know, I'm going on what over two years. So should I be looking at changing things right. or for me, I haven't had any major side effects. I really can't list anything that I've no- noticed in particular 
as a side effect of my medication. So it's working for me. I found that is interesting too, because of the stigma, a lot of people around me will regularly ask, are you thinking of stopping it? When are you going to, when are you going to stop taking your medication? That's that's interesting. You say that because I, I think not only are people like, oh, well, like the medication is somehow like there's something wrong with you. You need to get it off like yeah, as much as possible. That's right. Or or don't even start. Like, did you yeah. have anybody that was like, you know, you, you're going to feel different? Maybe. I personally didn't because I didn't talk to anybody okay. about it in yeah. advance. Like I talked to my, my, you know, my mom and my husband, but I really, and I think I spoke to some, like maybe yourself and a couple other people close to me that I know had been through something like that, but I didn't go public basically i wasn't posting on the you know social media about this or anything like that which i did after the fact because i feel like this as this podcast i feel like it's important for people to recognize that this happens but the after i started taking the medication i definitely had people really close to me ask me so when you think you're going to go off of it are you just going to take it for a couple of months and it was i said absolutely not Mm -hmm. and even now that it is going well and it has been working and i'm feeling okay as a parent of, you know, a mother of three little kids and mm-hmm. the chaos and that, that brings now. and now working, I've yeah. been working for almost a year again and all the new chaos that that brings, but it also brings a lot of balance to my life because I was missing that as a stay at home mom. But yeah, I was shocked and still am shocked when people ask me that question because I don't think that it's wrong. I would rather feel stable and feel myself than constantly be all over the place on uh, the emotional, right? I, I, emotionally, I can't imagine feeling out of my out of myself, out right. of my skin all the time. That's sort of just, untethered. And, yeah, yeah, that's not okay. And if taking one pill a day can cause you to feel okay, and again, being fortunate enough that we are in Canada and I have benefits, it doesn't cost a lot of money for me to take this medication. So it's not like it's a um, financial burden for me. That's not causing me anxiety either. The one thing that is not talked about enough is how we talk about mental health with each other. For me, I was shocked by the story of a friend who experienced such a shift in his partner after having their child, she actually left him and the baby. This terrified me. Was I going to go nuts being pregnant? Was I going to change into some other version of myself that was not able to recognize the things in my life that I was grateful for? What I wanted and who I wanted to be with? Was I going to go off the deep end after having the baby? This scared us enough that my partner and I both sat down and discussed how and when he might approach me should symptoms of postpartum and mental health struggles start to appear. We established a kind of dialogue that he could come to me with to signal that he was having concerns and the kicker was I trusted him enough with this power. I had no concerns that he might use it against me. As it turned out, we didn't have to go down that road. But I felt more secure knowing he was looking out for me and that he had the power to interrupt my struggles should it come to that. Not everyone is going to be open to the suggestion that they need mental health supports. Prior to sort of that that tipping point of being in the car with the kids, if would you do you think you would have been open to having a discussion with someone about mm, potential mental health but before you reach that because right. this is something that 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 before is I'd like a big question it. for me because 
you know, there's people in my life where I'm like, oh, I wish I would have said something. But then I look right. back and I'm like, maybe, maybe that would not have been helpful. Maybe that could have been worse. Yes. Right? So I'm curious, like, so as, as being somebody that, that maybe sees somebody struggling, obviously right. I know from, I know now that you just listen and, yeah. and you acknowledge. Yes. Yeah. You don't absolutely. offer advice. You don't. You can't like, fix it. You can, like, like you said earlier, you can, here's a helpline. Here's like a 1-800 yeah. number. Like here, if you, have you talked to your doctor? offer make sure like that they know that hey maybe i should go talk to somebody who really and understands even that might be something that you need to really tiptoe around because i would feel like if i think about myself that if before i recognized it if my husband I, he probably did try to say something but it would have been an inappropriate approach you know he would have been in a, a heated sure. i would have been driving him crazy because i was legitimately struggling yeah. and I was, I was behaving, uh, erratically. I wasn't, I wasn't in a sound mind at all. Yep. So he would be frustrated because now he's bearing the weight, weight of everything that I take care of, which as a mom typically is a significant amount of the just life in yes. general, yep. just even being a married person or a, in a partnership with someone that, you know, there's always one person that is the one constantly thinking of the dates and the appointments and the anniversaries and the to-do lists and the things that are coming up and what needs to be done. And there's always that one person and you don't ever get acknowledged for that. So that on top of anything else going on and adding children and adding all just, just life, it's so much on your shoulders on a normal day. So for him, he would have already been so overwhelmed himself. Right. That I think coming from him, maybe that wouldn't have been, what what about a friend? Like if a friend had said like, Hey, you know, yes. uh, like your, if your text messages are, are kind of yes. shock, shocking me right now, or, or I'm a little concerned. I absolutely think that, and I, I hate to put the weight on, there's just one friend in particular that I was really clo- close with at that time, but it just happened to be that person. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, we just routinely spoke to each other. Our kids were similar age and we, you know, it was just, we had that kind of connection with each other. And then when I started to slide down that the difference was that I had a baby and this friend didn't at that time. Okay. And so I was, when we were in the same spot together at the same time, it was really easy to kind of, you know, she felt the same way as me, but when she was past that point and not in that, in that world of newborn and all that stuff going on, that it just wasn't the same. So I know after the fact, when I said that I'm, you know, I've gone on medication, this person in particular did say, yeah, I did notice that you were really struggling and but completely ignored me. Yeah. Like I remember the one morning in particular, I would go out of the shower and I said that message about not, you know, I don't know, I'm sinking. I feel like I'm sinking. I can't get out of it. And when I didn't get a response, and then I think a couple of days later, I got a response about the weather. Yeah. Okay. It was like sort of a... Completely intentionally ignored me. Like, right. you know, I know they read it. My phone shows me that you've read it. And that, I will always remember that moment mm-hmm. as being the heaviest weight I felt like I felt completely alone and completely unsupported and like it didn't even matter anymore and that was such an awful feeling I've learned now like I say I have a friend now that I'm so close with and we had babies at the same time but we are we're both empaths and we've realized that um it's just having that person, that yeah. one person that you can just like, we don't even have to see each other for weeks. We might yeah. not text every day. We may not, I may not remember to text her back, but you know what her response is when I say, oh God, I forgot to text. 
you have three kids under six. And that's all it is. Like, she knows that I'm still thinking of her. Yeah. I'm aware of her existence. It's like, I mean, look at nieces and nephews and family. We don't see each other often. Mm-hmm. We don't connect all the time. Yeah. But I'm always thinking of everybody. Yeah. And we love them dearly. And that's when you know that you have a good friend and that you can trust in them. Whereas I think some friends have that expectation that you you know you have to respond to my messages and you have to be aware and you have to be actively involved in my life and you know it's a you have to meet certain guidelines and I realize now that I can't be friends with people like that because I'm just not in that stage of my life anymore where I have the time to devote that kind of energy consistently to someone else that's not in my immediate family I'm in we're in the weeds you know where this is this is the most intense time in anybody's life when you have three little little kids or one little kid or two little kids or seven little kids yeah yeah. this is when all of your energy is your family and if you're lucky enough to spend time with friends then you take that whether it's Mm -hmm. once a year or every other week or sitting in a dining room doing a podcast that's right (laughs) exactly you know like you you just you just have to be appreciative of those moments but not have expectations on what needs to be So I feel, and not to diminish, you know, mental health issues when you're not a parent, but because I think everything is in such flux, like, Mm -hmm. I think it's easy for, especially when you do not have, when you, when you don't have children yet, or you, you you know, that's not, that's not a path you've chosen to go down. Um, I think it's easy to just be like, oh, well, yeah, like they're doing like, yeah, she's just the mom thing. Like, you know, you have this kind of image in your head of like the mom that's kind of going nuts and right right and you're like oh well they're just doing that but if you stop doing the things you enjoy if you stop Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah if if you suddenly are no longer hearing from that person if you're noticing that that person is not engaged at all right and like you know what when you've had two hours of sleep you're not going to be engaged yeah but at the same time being able to look back it's sort of like i i know that when there are people in my life that have young ones now, I'm thinking there needs to be a little check-in. Yep, and I couldn't agree more. And I think the worst part is, I know for myself that if I get a text message from someone and it's just basically a rundown of what's going on and it's not a question or anything, I will read it and I'll have every intention of responding. And it may be a week later that I finally get to it. (laughs) Because then 25 other messages will come through and you don't see it when your phone, you know, unless you set a reminder to message that person. But even when that reminder pops up, you might be in the middle of God knows what. Yeah. Kids got poop all over the bathroom floor or, you know, you have to, you're in the emergency room because. Right. Yes. Insert Your kids split their head open by running face first into a bathroom door. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that's a good example. It happened (laughs) and it can happen to any of us, but anything like that can happen. And I think, when friends that are mothers don't realize that and can't just be okay with that, you know, if you're really genuinely concerned, then ask. Like, I think now I've also gotten to that point where if I don't hear back from someone that I usually hear back from quite quickly, I will just send a text message saying, is yeah. everything okay? Do you do you talk to anybody? Do you have any... I actually don't, and I have constantly thought about doing it and it's just another one of those making excuses for why I don't have time right yeah like it's I, I know like for me like I, I'm like I'm not in crisis right now so like in, in my head I'm just like well like I don't want to take up a resource that somebody else could use but then at the same time I feel like 
it would be nice to find out to find somebody that I do trust now when yes. I'm not in crisis so that when it there is a moment where it's like oh crap like I I need to talk you to have somebody that person. there's yeah there's something there I listened to another podcast um my favorite murder with Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark they're wonderful. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm plugging their. That's okay. Plug away. <laughs> it is wonderful, but they um, they both go to um, therapy, and they talked about how it's been an integral part of their life, and that there's they've told all of their listeners regularly that if you need to see someone, you need to find them when you don't need it. Yes, and that that is so true, and I think it's a lot harder to go and find someone when you're struggling because you don't have the energy to do anything at that yep. point. Yeah. So that's so true that this, again, I'm not in crisis right now and this would be the time where yep. I should really focus because taking care of ourselves is the most important thing. Especially when you have kids. <laughs> right. And we, this is the hardest time in our lives to put that time out for yourself that, you know, self-care is essential I think we also, like both you and I, have the luxury of having access to benefits. Yes, I and, know, that's true. And like, it, you know, in my mind, I haven't, like, I, I, it's on my to-do list. And I actually, before 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 this goes up, I should really actually make an effort to, to, to take care of that. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like the benefits are there for you to use. Absolutely. Like you should, like you should use it. If you have, if you have the luxury of somebody taking care of that for you financially yeah i would say absolutely go ahead and and use what's use what's there i agree i should make that a priority too now that you say it that way because i say that about the benefits that i have for massage exactly and chiropractic yeah and i say we have them we need to use them that's right all those things so and i think that's also a big problem is the stigma around mental health and that we do even someone that's aware and struggles and has had struggles and I know dozens of people that struggle and have had issues that I still don't make that a priority like that should be a priority for me that I take the time to go and speak to someone and yet I haven't done it so it's interesting that you point that out yep I so me and you well we'll do that that's a deal (laughs) I have to check in with each other to make sure it's happened Next time on We Make People. Oh, hi there. I'm looking for um, somebody to speak to about uh, mental health services. Yes, please. So, spoiler alert. Some months have passed since I sat down and talked to Jess. And both Jess and I have gone to our respective healthcare providers to seek out mental health supports by way of counseling or therapy. But that's not the end of the story, because we came away with very different outcomes. That I already was experiencing more anxiety than I had before. I felt like maybe even I needed a med increase or a change, um, and I wanted to start with counselling. So far, this podcast has been focused on interviews of real women and their experiences, but I'm throwing the book out a little for part two. This topic feels important enough that I wanted to show just what a mental health resource looks like. And I actually had the privilege of sitting down with a Canadian Mental Health Association representative to discuss their bounce back program. The support is for people who are experiencing sort of mild to moderate anxiety and, the, uh, and or depression. If you want to hear more about what happened with Jess and I, or you want to find out if the bounce back program is right for you, be sure to tune in to part two.
Like what you just heard? Want more? Subscribe through iTunes and be sure to visit the website at wemakepeople.org for more resources and discussion. Share, connect, empower. We make people. Thanks for listening.